Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Truth of Movies, Wrinkle in Time, Disney's interdimensional fancy epic does empowerment, but Disney Entertain will be finding out. Unsane, Steven Soderbergh's paranoid thriller, would unseen be the best way to leave it? We check out Chinese animation Have a Nice Day, featuring a missing bag of cash and a cast of small town crooks. And go mad for George Cougar's Gaslight, Charles Boyer driving Ingrid Bergman out of her mind. It's Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Hello, listener. Thanks for joining us, or if you're just stopping by for the first time, welcome aboard. Here's where we find out about which of the latest releases you need to make time to go and see, and maybe one from the vaults that you might want to dust off and have a look at and have a chat with us about what you think. That's Film Club that's coming up later on, but we'll start very, very shortly with the reviews with today's two reviewers, who are Hannah Woodhead. Hello. Hi, Hannah, and David Jenkins. Hey, hey. David, you and I are contractually obliged to disagree with each other. No, we're not. I <laughs> see what you did there. Hey, here's a quick comment from AstroWiz. By the way, if you want to get in touch, it's truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or at lwlies on Twitter or Facebook, etc., and so on. But anyway, Astro has got in touch and he says, oh, there's good news and bad news for James. There is a Tekken film, which I was wondering about, but I watched it last year and it's terrible. In Yorkshire, by the way, jokes Astro is, Tekken is also a trilogy starring Liam Neeson. Uh, and he then goes on to say, it was interesting hearing our views on Alicia Vikander and she has quite a flat tone to her voice, which maybe gives the illusion she's giving a flat performance. Interesting point about... You know, people's vocal range, and the, also the way that accents influence your appreciation of the, the craft of acting, which is a big issue for me with Jeremy Irons in Red Sparrow. But I did actually want to bring up another film in relation to Astro Wiz's comment, which is Tomb Raider featuring Alicia Vikander from last week, mm-hmm. which I was all excited for. And you and Manuela, David, were both really into it. So I went to see it the next day, and it's absolute bobbins. Well. I'm staggered. <laughs> I'm staggered. I mean, you, you, you know, yeah, no, you, I, you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. I yeah. mean, I was watching it, and my justification is that I, I just never thought it was making too many wrong moves. Like, oh, really? Okay. There was something quite humane about it. I like the fact, okay. like, for instance, like, there's a scene where she like fights a guy and and kills him. Yes. And in your kind of garden variety action movie, that would be a kind of like you know you'd rush past that there would be no kind of moment of reflection or you know and, and she's troubled by but it but there is a kind of there's a beat where she stopped and it's like yeah. wow it feels like she's like that actually does feel like the first time that she's maybe killed a person and is like actually 
quite troubled by it. If so, it would be about the only genuine moment in the film. I, I know we did this last week, but just, just so I can get this off my chest, because no, it came out of the cinema thinking, I, I, all those poor listeners who might go off to see this, they should be aware that there is a, another view, which is that, A, the whole thing is, is a bit like the cutscenes from Uncharted or Tomb Raider, but more Uncharted, especially that one with the aeroplane. Right. And uh, have you ever played Uncharted? No. Okay. People who have will know what I mean. And it's fine to play it, but you wouldn't want to sit and watch 90 minutes of it. She, Vikander, is totally lacking in charisma as the, as the lead character. The the whole storyline, which so slavishly reenacts the can-we-work-out-this-puzzle plotline of the original video games, it, it's quite awkward and embarrassing to watch. But the biggest problem of all is Dominic West, who had such success as, as playing McNulty in The Wire. But this performance is pure bunk, I would suggest. <laughs> uh, no, I really thought that he, he, was, he, was, he was woeful in this. He obviously can't do sincere... Okay. Mm. But that was my view. David, you really enjoyed it. Manuela, to be fair, enjoyed it too. Hannah, have you seen this just as a kind of... No, I don't really have any interest in watching it. I prefer to play my video games than watch them. What's your favourite video game, Hannah? Um, I'm a big Fallout fan, and I'm really excited about Far Cry 5. Whatever the latest iteration is. I'm I'm so excited next week. I'm really excited. I can't wait. Maybe this is a little context into my kind of uh, fandom of the Tomb Raider film, is that I'm actually a massive fan of... The Resident Evil films, Ooh. which is I know is probably quite an unpopular thing to say, but about a month ago, I watched all of them in a weekend. You know, I just couldn't. It was like very sort of Moorish. Yeah, know, I couldn't stop watching them. They're all like ninety minutes, and they're quite. I actually think I find them the quite. The first good. one been terrifying. I, I mean, was really scared yeah, of it. it's but, quite. It's but, quite. Do you ever play the games? No, I've never games played the games. I wonder if that's why you enjoyed Tomb Raider and and I didn't was that it just all looked like a game that I'd played repeatedly. Right. Yeah. Anyway, hey, listeners, you're probably keen to find out about a wrinkle in time. (laughs) I know I am after reading Hannah's review of it in Little White Lies. So let's hear about that after this. After the disappearance of her scientist father, three astral beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend into space to try and find him. Here are two of said astral folk played by Oprah Winfrey and Reese Witherspoon, giving Meg some thoughts to take on her way. Meg. Trouble problematic Meg. To you I give the gift of your faults. You're welcome. You do know my faults are the bad qualities, right? Are they really? Hmm. Well, then you're all set. My gift is my command. Stay together. Don't let anyone separate you. David Jenkins. I think it's a well-chosen clip for a comment that I have about this film, which is the fact that, for me, it felt like it had a screenplay that was entirely made up of tweets. Every every line is is like tweetable. It's like a little kind of cutesy aphorism. Or uh, Reese Witherspoon's "You're welcome" is like the ultimate kind of Twitter sort of lingo. And uh, everything in this film feels like it's kind of either been taken from Twitter or has been built for usage in a sort of uh, one forty character bite size uh, chunk. So very, very yeah. nicely put. It comes from a it comes from a much loved young adult classic. Uh, and it's got an impressive cast as well. And yet, Hannah, in your review, you open by saying the cinemas in hell show only mediocre movies masquerading as something more. And this is that? 
Yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk about this film um, since it was announced in 2016. A lot of people saying, oh, this is a landmark film. This is going to be this great film for representation. Uh, Ava's the first woman of colour to be given a budget over $100 million, uh, which it, that is like a lamp. That's incredible. I mean, what's incredible for me is that it's taken this long to get to that point. Um, and, of course, the uh, the lead character is a young mixed-race girl, which I think a lot of people have kind of latched on to. But for me, it it yeah, it's kind of pretending to be something a lot more mean, meaningful than it actually is. I didn't really get this. The whole mantra running through is, be a warrior, but you'll never... Why? Why be a warrior? It's kind of just this hollow... Be a warrior? Yeah. A why? warrior, sorry. Warrior. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. the Yorkshire accent, yeah. a warrior. Um, yeah, I just... It was very cloying and insincere. The only character with any sort of story is Meg, and she's kind of Ava's avatar. You can tell that she cares about this one character, but the rest of it was just... You know, there's a there's a six year old who is so irritating. I was actively willing something bad to happen to him. So that at least is realistic. You know, <laughs> this 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 has got a kind of like trigger element to it, where you've got this young precocious character called Charles Wallace, and every time they refer to him, they refer <laughs> to him as Charles Wallace, mm. and the words Charles Wallace are probably spoken about a hundred times in the film. There's a bit where he goes missing in the woods and they're screaming Charles Wallace for about five minutes. Just hearing David say Charles Wallace is making me like irrationally <laughs> I, I, angry. I want to actually keep saying Charles Wallace on the podcast to wow. give listeners a sense of what that's like. Well, the other way they could do that is by going to see the movie themselves. Would you advise against that? Is there an age group that this might appeal to? I have no idea. I mean, I mean, an age group that maybe aren't asking that many questions with regard to kind of basic coherence and like you know things things making just just sense i guess um just to backtrack a little bit this mm. this the story of the film is about a family chris pine is is a kind of astrophysicist uh, patriarch and he goes missing when meg is young and it turns out that he's essentially discovered this way to travel through the universe in a split second and he's transported himself like, you know, light years away across the other side of the galaxy to this other realm. And but he didn't get a return ticket. Didn't get a return ticket. And through the kind of, through reasons that I'm not entirely sure, these three witches kind of appear to Meg and say, we're going to help you get your dad back. And we're going to form this, it's a wrinkle. Uh-huh. Although it's a wrinkle in space rather, yeah, rather really than, time, rather than a wrinkle in time. So. Even on that, but these even like, the title is wrong. These are such big concepts for a film that looks like it's aimed at quite young children. You know, if you if you're a sort of seven year old, and I would say that that looking at all the sort of costume design, everything that's big and it's colourful, and that's who it's aimed at, they're not really going to care about NASA or about Tesseracts. <laughs> or, and uh, if you're older than that, it's it's really quite babyish. There's a whole scene where Reese Witherspoon transforms into a giant lettuce leaf, like flying around for no reason. This is everything it just in the happens film is, and then is, that's is it. apropos of nothing. Yeah. The characters will be in one kind of environment. You know, they'll be in a, a wheat field and then they'll be in a kind of suburban housing conurbation uh-huh. for you know, just for no reason. And it's it's meant to be a kind of wow. It's you know it's a magical realm, and they're being you know their heads are being messed with, and but it just doesn't make any sense. It's just like they're there, and nothing nothing happens, and then they're somewhere else, and nothing happens. Yeah. So Ava DuVernay, I loved Selma, and I loved her documentary that the Thirteenth, which uh-huh. I think was a net, was on a Netflix mm. doc. 
both of them, you, you felt the passion. You know, you felt that she that she had entirely immersed herself within the material. She, you know, she understood it, and she had a really unique way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. I just felt with this that it, it felt like something she was asked to do rather than something she wanted to do. I'm second guessing her motivations here, but like, you just feel there's no connection between the material and the in the maker. I, mean, I think there. I th- I mean, I think there is between the main character. I think there's a definite connection between her and Meg but the rest of it is just she's put so much time and effort into this one character there's just no there's you know how long is this is it two hours it felt like it went on forever and there's no you know she's in every single shot and that's all you're interested in so all the other things that are going on you're just like "Mm, I don't care Mm. Chris Pine's just crying everywhere for two hours it's really hard to take him seriously in in films. You know, this one was really hard for me because he looks like Gary from Team America World Police. Oh, yeah, yeah that would yeah, he be does issue. actually. Yeah, yeah. I did not so all of the that. way through, I was just like, oh. If I'm looking for sort of one, you know, ray of light here, it's probably the the Storm Reed's performance. She's as brilliant. Meg. And as Meg. I think in the opening as well, there's a great scene where she's her principal's sort of called her out at school, and he's talking to her about her dad, and it's, it's a brilliant scene. Um. For me, I my dad wasn't there when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I I was like, oh, this this performance is like incredibly nuanced for a thirteen year old to be giving, but then it doesn't really deal with these issues in any substantial way. It could have done something quite beautiful with this idea of like abandonment, but it doesn't. Right. As soon as Chris Pine turns up, it's like, oh, yep, everything's fine again. That's the thing. She's actually really good at doing this sort of very terse, real drama. Mm. Whereas, but then when as soon as you enter into the kind of fantasy world, it's like. What the hell is going on? I okay. Mean, well, anyway. Let's do the scores and we'll move on then. Yes. Yeah. David, first of all? I'd probably say three, purely because I, I loved her Duvernay's previous two films and was hoping that she would do... You know, this seemed like a quite a weird choice for her, but I was hoping she'd do something interesting with it. And I'd probably have to say one star... Really, for the for the one, one for both. I mean, it's I'm, it really was yeah, yeah, no, go for a it. chore. A, really, I mean, like... Yeah. Didn't do anything for me. Okay, Hannah. I'm afraid. Three, two, two. I don't think it's quite bad enough for a one okay. for me, but it's pretty bad. All right, we'll move on then to our second film of the week, Unsane. After an episode of stalking has left Sawyer deeply troubled, she begins to see her stalker again in unexpected places. She seeks help, but is the whole thing in her head, or is she in terrible danger? Taking out a restraining order, normal, relocating to another city, normal. But you still see your stalker everywhere? Rationally, I know this is my imagination, but I'm alone in a strange city and I never feel safe. There's some more forms you need to fill out. It's just routine. I finished my homework. Sawyer Valentini, please follow me. Look, I I don't have a lot of time. I, I should be back at work, so what am I doing in here? Take off your clothes down to your underwear. I'm not sure what's happening here. The door's locked. It would be better for everyone, especially yourself, if you just do as I ask. There's been some kind of mistake. By signing this, you've consented to voluntary commitment. I am being held here against my will. Do you know how many calls the cops get like that every week? Those are from crazy people. This the latest from uh, Steven Soderbergh. Hannah, you were just saying about the opening scene producing some interesting nuanced takes on a very real issue in The Wrinkle in Time. And when this film started, I was thinking, this is this is actually really interesting what it's done 
in terms of exploring what it's like to be stalked for people who haven't been in that in that yeah, exploring some of the reality the and the sequence. repercussions of, of what it actually means beyond the fact of there being someone who's pestering you, which is a bit of a bother, the extent to which that would unsettle you and lead you to effectively change or question all aspects of your behaviour, even to the extent of moving jobs, moving cities. Unfortunately, that only lasted for the first 10, 15 minutes and then another movie took over. I'll pitch in with my view in a second, but what, what did you make of this? I really didn't like it. I love Steven Soderbergh. Really, really loved well, Logan Lucky. This is a comp- obviously a completely different film from that. I was quite angry about Unsane. Um, I've seen a lot, a lot of people I very much admire love this film and have very good reasons for loving it. But for me, um, it was just so relentlessly nasty and so, as as a young woman who has dealt with unpleasant men, I I was quite insulted by it and insulted by this idea that Soderbergh's asking the audience to believe that she's mentally unstable. Maybe maybe I'm projecting my feelings onto it. I didn't have an issue with that. And in in actual fact, the trailer, I thought the trailer sets it up as quite an interesting psychological thriller. Does she have psychosis about this? Is she essentially inventing this in her head? And that, that could happen. As a premise for a thriller, I thought that was quite interesting, but I didn't think that, that in actual fact, Soderbergh, in the film that he he's put together, really explores that. He resolves that question quite early on, and you're left with a fairly bog-standard cat and a mouse. I think you're just waiting for bad things to happen to her after, yeah. it, after it becomes apparent what's going on. You're just waiting. Was David one of those people who you respect who wrote good things about this? No, because she doesn't respect me. <laughs> And I, I know David liked it. Well, did, you, did you like this film? I really liked it, yeah. You really liked yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I will admit that I do have the blinders on when it comes to Steven Soderbergh, who is just someone who lays golden eggs. <laughs> Ocean's <laughs> 12? Is that a golden egg? Mm, maybe not Ocean's 12. <laughs> yeah. The, the Ocean's sequels were... were do you were, like were, side effects? I quite liked it but really want to see it again. I think this reminds me a lot of side effects, which I also didn't like. These are his kind of psychothrillers and uh, this critique of the film is one thing and then it's another thing and then it's another thing. And I actually found that kind of evolution quite exciting. And the sort of, you know, it's it's not so much a case of there are big plot twists as you go along, although there are plot twists. But I think the film, like... It ch- it's sort of constantly changing your perception of what it is. I don't mind that, and I like a film that evolves as it as it moves along. I just found the first bit where it's dealing with the reality of what it's like to be stalked way more interesting than the Shutter Island sh- sub mm. psychological thriller that, that comes the f- after. The film, the film, I like the, the way the film deals with this idea of like not only are these terrible things happening, but there are corporate industries ready and waiting to exploit people well, yeah, who, that, who that are kind of I would in, admit, in that, that dark. That premise is an interesting one. But, but I, I think, I, I, think I, hmm. I felt that's a that's a premise I'm sick of hearing and as someone who's dealt a lot with the with psychiatric care, it's incredibly unhelpful to constantly have it portrayed as the villain and to have medication portrayed as, you know, this inherent evil that's gonna change who you are as a person. That's fair. See now, this is a, a work of fiction. Yeah. And as such Although I take on board what you were saying about you, you slightly resent the suggestion that it's her fault 
when she's actually been the victim. Or the, mm. yeah, the, the suggestion of that. I guess I, one of the things I liked was that ambiguity. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it didn't for me land, as well. land you on one side of, and, and you know, you were guessing all the way through. And in the trailer, they played on that nicely, and I mm. thought, well, this would be fun. And whoever directed the trailer should really have been given this film to do because I thought <laughs> Soderbergh made an utter hash of it. I the suspect whole... that Soderbergh directed the trailer actually. Really? Yes. Is he very he, hands on he, like he, that? I think he does tend to edit. I mean, I think he edits he his own films like so. that. Then really. So okay, just to say briefly, I know what you're saying about Soderbergh being a man with an extraordinary body of work behind him. Mm-hmm. I don't like all of his films. Even Logan Lucky, I wasn't really on board with, but I did re- respect it as a well-made film. This was so poorly made, and I know it was it was done on an iPhone, mm-hmm. which I'm struggling to see the reason behind, except as a kind of experiment. There's an I experiment that Sean Baker did like sure. two years ago and he yeah. did it way better. But okay, he wanted to do it. Maybe it gives him a flexibility. But in terms of craft, it was so poor. I struggled to actually believe that it was made by him and he hadn't just put his name on it. Things <laughs> like the plot lines, there's a major plot hole in the middle of this with which you have to swallow to kind of accept the reality of the rest of it. And it, it just so defies belief that one thing at the centre of the whole story could have happened. The, the main thing is that just in terms of the, the technique, I don't know, she might be crazy, so we'll go for lots of close-up shots of her face so that she, the whole thing gets a bit fisheye. It's really cheesy. It's like a TV movie, this, and not a good one. I disagree in the harshest terms <laughs> imaginable. I know you teed this up at the beginning of the show that we don't tend to get on. Uh, we don't tend to agree on everything. <laughs> we don't tend to get on. <laughs> so, no, Freudian slip there. <laughs> but the um, I actually thought the technical aspects of this film was exceptional. Like, really exceptional? I thought that the it felt like watching a kind of modern version of The Shining. You had these incredible like tracking shots down the corridors. There were a couple of kind of trick shots in there. When there's a scene where she where, where someone has some drugs and you, you yeah. get a kind of trippy sequence. Yeah, but, that was quite that, well done. But that's the only thing that he does, and he manages to sort of create this atmosphere of dread through doing very little, just by moving the camera where he places the lighting. The one of the scariest shots I've seen in a long time is just a, an amazing shot of a character just framed simply with a light behind them, so you can't let their face is completely blacked out. And it's kind of terrifying. It's like, you know, it's, it gives this film the element of a kind of ghost story. What you might see as a plot hole, I, I think, I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what you're referring to, but... The presence of a character. At the, yeah, yeah, well, I, I think that could, there could be a kind of, you know, fantastical reading of the film that you might take on. Well, you're doing a lot of extra work in order to make his plot work. Everything is very left with question marks and and ellipses. Well, I certainly had some question marks. uh, (laughs) But that's, that's, for me, that makes a really interesting, great movie. It's the the, the places that leaves you with with, with questions rather than answers. I would concede that this was very atmospheric in that I too felt the feeling of being trapped inside (laughs) somewhere where I couldn't use my phone. (laughs) Yeah, I felt the same. (laughs) The girl behind me when I saw it was... um, I mean, I didn't like it. She hated it. I could, I could hear her having a very visceral reaction to how much she hated the film. It's really divisive film, actually. It's like there doesn't seem to be any kind of middle ground on this one. Which yeah, I think I, people that love it love it, and people that hate yeah. it hate it. You can't really judge a film in terms of like how it fits into a kind of the news cycle, I guess, because you know films outlive that. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people calling it this, like why it's the film we need right now. And I'm like, but no, not really. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit to maybe being one of those those people. Why I, do we need this film right now? Well, I just thought there is a kind of... The Me Too a, a, movement. Yeah, there's a kind of a woman who is kind of oppressed consistently in, in, and in very kind of 
nasty and and quite kind of ingenious ways. So what's yeah. he saying about it? Well, well, yeah, so what, in other words, he if he's addressing this very real issue, what does he do? Well, I he think spends five minutes at the start looking at what that actually means to her, but then goes off in a kind of half-cocked, well, half-hitchcocked <laughs> terror not, in an asylum I think I said this with, I think I said this before on the show. It's not enough for a film to show me horrible things happening to a woman. It has to say something else about it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm avoiding spoilers here, but I think the final film, the final shot of the film is the kind of commentary on oh, everything God, that comes no, I before thought that was it. awful. Anyway. Anyway. Hannah. <laughs> Anticipation? Yeah. Uh, four. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then? Then what happened? Two. Uh-huh. Two. And that's me being kind. Even though I've kind of, I've gone gone to the, <laughs> to bat I've gone it. to bat for this one. I yeah. would I would say that I loved Logan Lucky, and I, I think there was something kind of magical about that film. And this does feel like a kind of quick nasty thriller. Yeah, it's a bit dashed and, off. And 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 uh, not dashed off. <laughs> Don't you put words into my mouth. And uh, yeah, I would say that it's probably falls across the board for me. It's not. It wouldn't be in my top top tier of of Soderbergh, but it's it's I'm primed and juiced to see this again right I loved the trailer so I'd give my anticipation a four and I think he's got a great future in making trailers uh, Soderbergh if indeed it, it was him but I'd say that probably a two at the time and a one afterwards because it, it's a film that sat and festered ever since I finally struggled out of the, you guys. the screen yeah not a fan it gets Logan lucky though oh, it's a great film <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, quick message here from Toby Owens who says, hi all, just finished watching Annihilation after listening to last week's pod. I'm so glad you reviewed it. I'd almost certainly have missed it without you mentioning. But what an incredible watch. I do agree it would have been phenomenal on the big screen, and for that I'm a bit sad. But on the other hand, I'm not sure I've ever been so gripped when watching a film in my own home before. When Bright was released in December, I had lost hope in Netflix. But this has changed my mind. Is there? Could this be a good thing, is the, is the kind of message of the second half of Toby's uh, email there the, the fact that netflix is an environment is a location there for things that otherwise might have disappeared off the release schedules it's the million dollar question really i think a lot of people in the industry are probably going to be looking at annihilation's release under a microscope and trying to determine whether it was a good thing it was a bad thing whether it was worthwhile whether it was kind of maligning this artwork that was made for cinema or whether actually it found an audience that it may have otherwise not found by people who were unwilling to go and pay to see it at the cinema. But right. I, it is getting a, lim- a limited release in the UK, is that right, Hannah? Very, very, very limited. limited. I think every man have put it in five screens across the country for like one night only, oh, which wow. is just ridiculous. Well, next up, spot of Chinese animation. Have a nice day. <laughs> Louis Jeanne brings us this self-written, self-directed self-animated story of a petty criminal who gets into hot water when he steals a sum of money from the local crime boss as he flees the repercussions a succession of characters are drawn into the hunt for the missing money it's a tarantino-esque plot line i felt but almost quite a shaggy dog-esque treatment of the ensuing action yeah absolutely it has the feel of a kind of 90s indie crime movie hmm. and uh, like just sort of displaced into this kind of quite tumble down Chinese rural landscape. Steve uh, Buscemi could have played one of the parts. Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, a lot of people have, have compared it to Tarantino. I think there is a comparison to Pulp Fiction on the poster because it is this kind of ah. ensemble of characters all getting mixed up around this one thing happening. And uh, 
it reminded me more of actually Jim Jarmusch. Mm, yeah. It's very kind of laconic and it's very, it has all these characters who are just sort of like chatting and, you know, watching the world go by as, as this kind of drama unfolds around them. And I thought it was really funny above all else. So it's um, got an interesting approach to the animation. It's very minimalist. Yeah, it's very stripped back, very uh, sort of speaks for itself. It's There's something refreshingly unflashy about it, which I really liked. Dave and I were having a conversation in the office when I watched it and I said I don't really get this Tarantino comparison everyone's making because it, it is like a lot less uh, explosions and then people talking really fast and like, you know, silly things happening. It's kind of more snarky mm-hmm. and... I love that it's not set in a big city. It's you know it's not. It could have easily been Shanghai, but it's really nice to see it set in this small town where you get the impression that this thing is just happening, and the characters in the rest of the town don't really care. They're not really bothered, and it gives you this sense of like everything that's happening to these characters is so important to them, but they are so small in the grand scheme of things. It was a really it wasn't one I knew about until. I had to watch it for work and uh, I was really glad I did. I think it's definitely worth seeking out if you're not familiar with movie. And uh, I saw it on a laptop screen, but I imagine it'd be far more enjoyable on a cinema screen. Yeah. Although, as I say, it's very, very simplistic, the animation approach that Louis uh, Chan. It's got, yeah. it's, I think it almost has the feel of like flash art, you know, like flash on computers. Uh-huh. Mm. It's very kind of, it's got a kind of computerized element yeah. to it. At times it seemed almost as if he was on a dare to see how long he could go without actually animating anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I How little that, he could do. Maybe I'd just have a static shot and just have some <laughs> steam off one part or. But I think that's really nice. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it, it makes it really atmospheric and enhances this idea of it's quite, you know, it's this quite kind of lazy, nothing, you know, nothing happening town, you know. I think that it, I think it's hilarious that, like, most of the action, or the kind of, I guess the sort of hub of the action is this kind of bizarre, mostly empty internet cafe with all these old computers there and... Uh, and you know these characters going to this same terminal and like uncovering the plot from people who haven't like bothered to log out. And uh, <laughs> the setup of the story is a guy who just randomly decides to mug one of his fellow kind of con men. And no, he's he works for a construction driver. site. Sorry. Oh, is he? Oh, we were, we're, we're taking different yeah. takes on that. I thought he was. A, I thought he worked at the building site. <laughs> oh right. Maybe he left the building site. Maybe I, I thought he he worked at the building site, but he'd taken like ah, a you know, like a right. classic like because he because he knew about this thing that was happening and he he steals this money yeah. with a, with a view to sort of helping somebody. helping a friend. And Can we not say that it's to fund his girlfriend's <laughs> botched plastic surgery? Because that's hilarious. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, it does I, say that in the, the in, in the synopsis. Oh, all right, so okay. he's the most kind of tragically inept criminal. You watch these crime films and, you know, there's all this kind of like, you know, these super, you know, like Thomas Crown style criminals who, you know, they know every angle. They know where all the uh, security cameras are. They're sort of like dancing over laser beams and stuff like this. This guy is like... He's more at the Cohen end. Yeah, he's more kind of like, you know... Although there is a proper criminal in this. Yeah, there is a proper criminal in this with a, a nod to Le Samurai. Yes, there is. I got that one, and David. Yes. The hat and the, the mask. Yes. I felt that that was a Delon thing. I'm not sure. Interestingly, this was selected to be in competition at the Annecy International Animation Film Festival last year, but the Chinese government requested the, re- the work be withdrawn, and when the producer of the film, Chen Yang, 
backed up their request, the organisers decided to take it out of competition, out of fears for his safety and, and that of uh, Louis Zhang and, and the other people involved in the film. Well, it's interesting, actually, because today there, there was news that the Chinese government now, with under Xi Jinping, uh, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know, but you better get, get used to saying it. Yes. <laughs> They've taken control over all sort of censorship of, of cinema festivals and production in China now. Oh so it's it's all come under the sort of centralised party control. So wow. Under the propaganda department. Yes. So if people wanted to see the movie the Chinese government doesn't want you to see, where could they do that? Well, at cinemas <laughs> from Friday. But also, if you're super excited and you're listening to this on Thursday, you could come to the Genesis Cinema in Mile End slash Bethnal Green at six o'clock to come and see a uh, special Little White Lies and movie endorsed screening oh, with a amazing Q&A with the guys who did the soundtrack to it. The oh, amazing nice. soundtrack to it, a group called the Shanghai Restoration Project. Nice. So that'll be a nice extra added bonus. So, yeah. Okay. And you get a free one month trial of Mubu if you get a ticket. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Hannah, what kind of scores would you give this? I think it's a, a solid three, four, four. Three, four, yeah. four. Same, I would say. I mean, I hadn't really heard much about it. In fact, it was at Berlin, and I'd heard some people say it wasn't very good. So really? I, I sort of didn't watch it for a while. And then when I eventually did catch up with it, I was like, "Oh, bloody hell, that was brilliant!" Yeah, so. I'd say maybe a three, three, four. It's such a different film. It's very much unlike anything else, certainly in terms of animation. Mm. And there are parallels with. A lot of American filmmaking, I guess, but it, it, being a Chinese film, I think that made it even more exotic, the fact mm. that it wasn't a classic slice of Eastern exoticism. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, good. All right. Next up, Gaslight in the Little White Lies Film Club. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
After the tragic death of her guardian aunt, Paula, played by Ingrid Bergman, travels to Italy where she is swept off her feet by Gregory, played by Charles Boyer. But when the pair return to London, the dream romance turns into something darker and Paula begins to question her own grip on reality. Paula, you remember our first days? You remember Italy? There have been times when I thought I only dreamed those days. Come closer, Paula. Closer. Look into my eyes. If I ever meant anything to you, and I believe I did, then help me, Paula. Give me another chance. Look, in the drawer of that cupboard over there, there is a knife. Get it and cut me free. Gaslight then, what did listeners make of it? Hannah. We've got a comment from Angus. I really enjoyed watching a film noir-esque movie that had an almost total non-reliance on physical violence to build up the nefarious antagonist. Hmm, that's a good point. It's all in all in her head, or is it? Much yeah, like I think it is interesting to see a film where he's not the uh, protagonist is not sort of having to resort to much more than a uh, a whispered word in mm. the lady's ear. And it's a film as well that sparked an entire genre of psychological oppression, isn't it? Gaslighting someone is now a thing. It really is. Yeah, I mean, that's... the reason why we picked this actually is because it has that link to uh, your favourite, Unsane, which <laughs> is again about a woman who is kind of being, I guess, manipulated in that way. Right. Um, or is she? Or is she? But... I mean, one of the things that is beloved in Gaslight in the this George Kukov film is the uh, is the performances. I think the three central performances were all nominated for Oscars, and uh, Ingrid Bergman won hers. Really, right? Uh, okay, some... so I can understand why Charles Boyer was nominated for. It. I'm slightly surprised about Joseph Cotton getting nominated for an Oscar. As the, is that the other one you're talking of? No, no, no Angela no. Lansbury. Oh, Angela Lansbury. Yeah, no, she was nominated for, Co- for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. As the saucy wench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saucy wench. That was her debut saucy film co- role. Cockney wench. Yeah. Cockney, but niece to Dick Van Dyke. Cockney wench. But there's wench. a really great scene where her and and Charles Boyer yeah. have a kind of discussion together, mm. which is really like it's great. They discuss going to the musical, I think. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Going to the musical. Air quotes. Mm. That's what they used to call it back then. I, yeah, a lot of people still do. Yes, okay. So, uh, okay, well, that's nice. And uh, Ingrid Bergman won, and she was terrific. Yes. I was slightly troubled by Joseph Cotton's role as an Edwardian uh, detective at Scotland Yard. Yeah, I mean, that he, he was more kind of, I guess, he's the sort of plot cipher. He's the sort of ray of hope that kind of is happening yeah. in the background. But all the, all the kind of good stuff is happening between Bergman and Boyer, where he's just... You know, everything wearing her down, wearing her down, and and preying on her her fragility at every turn. Um, should I read out some more? Yes, uh, please. So yeah, just just on the performances, it's amazing. Right up there with Ingrid, like Ingrid Bergman's best performance in Hitchcock's Notorious, right. which has a very sort of similar vibe. And Sam Learmonth says that we should check out the original that Hollywood remade. Yes, and then try to buy up all the copies of. Right, this is curious. It's so good. just four years before Cuckoo's. 1944 production, there'd been a British version of the original stage play, Gaslight, which they tried to destroy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love this. They tried to gaslight England. (laughs) Damn. That's a bit harsh. Why would they try and do that? To look like they've just. Rival productions at the same time or even remakes or reboots. But they don't usually go and try and erase all (laughs) evidence of, of a previous. 
I'd yeah, just that think. that's odd because because yeah. you generally want the fans of the uh, of the original property to come on board with the the new versions, but mm. you know, um, yeah, maybe Sam not for this one. Sam can get in touch and give us some more info yeah, about that. Well, I'd well, be intrigued. I think, I think that requires deeper research. Yeah. I'm going to make a movie about that now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, excellent. Beyond Notorious, this also made me think a bit of uh, Rebecca, oh, with yeah. all the, the fog yeah. and the kind of surly house so, staff and. <laughs> That kind of thing. Well, I think one of the thing, elements of the film that it's it's kind of known for and has helped it kind of endure over the years is that it's kind of when when we talk about gothic movies, mm. this this is like you know considered along with like Rebecca one of the absolute classics of like gothic cinema, and you know Charles Boyer's kind of moustache twirling. I don't actually. I'm I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully here because I don't want to give away what he does in the film. But like, I think most people will have seen it. Yeah, I guess most people. He's very Machiavellian. Yeah, he's he's a sort of like. Is he a criminal? Is you know he's he's a nasty piece of work, I guess. But yeah, that that kind of the fact that it's sort of set in this old house that is haunted in its own peculiar way. There's a great bit at the beginning where um, she, uh, where Bergman's character's travelling and <laughs> there's this busybody on the train like telling her about the house and um, <laughs> she's like going into all the details about the horrible things that happened there. I thought it was a really nice touch. I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> it was really funny. But it is a kind of like, yeah, mixing the kind of, I think the gothic element is the sort of taking the the ingredients of the classic ghost story mm. and making it into something very real mm. it's um, incredibly atmospheric the yeah. bit where um the i guess it would have been cotton's character is talking to bergman about the the gas lamps and she turns to him and she goes you can see it too and it's like a, a, the whole thing is just uh, and it is totally the performances that do it yeah it's incredibly uh, atmospheric and scary yeah, her, at times. Her, her, her kind of performance where she's like the dynamic range she's like elated one moment then she's crying the next and she's elated like it, all within like two minutes or something she, she's going back and forth because he's just like he has her on a kind of on a it's like a yo-yo it's, it's crazy mm. Mm. Yeah. Can you have scenes. someone on a yo-yo? I was just thinking I, I, that sounds like my, no. my house most days of the week. <laughs> oh, right, okay. But then, uh, you know gaslighting central um, well many thanks if you if you got in touch with your thoughts, I hugely enjoyed that little trip back to the archives, and I, I wonder what we're going to have for <laughs> Film Club next week. Is it another old black and white classic? In a way. All right. Um, so, in celebration of the new film by Mr. Steven Spielberg, we've decided to revisit fan favourite Hook, his, you know, slightly uh, eccentric retelling of the Peter Pan story uh-huh. with. Robin the late Williams. Robin Williams. Late, great. Eat your heart out, you prinkled, wrinkled, fat hag. You're a very ill-mannered young man. You're you know a that? slug and worm. Come on, you can do better than that. Can't believe you're encouraging me. Yeah, 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 show me your fastball dust brain, you paunchy, sag-bottom, puke-pot. You are a very poor role model for these kids, you know that? <laughs> I bet you don't even have a fourth-grade reading level. Hemorrhoidal suck navel. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. <laughs> Boil dripping, beef fart sniffing, bubble butt. Someone has a severe caca mouth. Do you know that? You are a fart factory. Slug slime, sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Cheesy scab picked, pimple squeezing finger bandage. A week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. Who plays, um... Hook. Dustin Hoffman. 
Um, Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins. Okay, yeah. Is he Shmi? Yes. I've not seen this film since I was a, a kid. I remember right. enjoying Have it. Have you seen this year. recently? I've seen it quite recently, yeah. Right. I don't want to spoil the fun for next week. I think it's an interesting choice. I think Are you here I, next week, David? I'm not here next week, So you no. basically just left this bomb this on, was, this on was the... Adam, this was Adam's it? choice. This is, you know, uh, Adam's don't choice. Shoot First the messenger. Street Fighter. <laughs> Adam is gaslighting you with, <laughs> okay. with film club films, I think. <laughs> okay, Rostopher's here with a suggestion. He, he, he'd like us to review Sam Peckinpah's Junior Bonner. Do you remember that one? Oh, I love that film. Really? So... I'm not sure if we've got a big pile of suggestions somewhere, but we should add Junior Bonner to that. And I wonder if soon we might start making our way through some of listeners' suggestions for, for Film Club. Yeah, I think we should. Bombard us with them this week. So If someone uh, can suggest something good for Avengers, that would be great. Yeah, yeah that, Something that to actually... revisit in, at the end of April. I wonder if it would be good to set the, the brief of a film which is a kind of, you know, has crossover. a crossover element to it. Yeah. yeah. That isn't what Space could that Jam. Be? <laughs> that isn't Space Jam. Or Looney Tunes back in action. <laughs> so, or Rugrats Go Wild, sorry. <laughs> all that. valid options, but no doubt you've got other ones, listeners. So next week, then, we will be discussing Hook with Adam and Matt Sin, Matt Thrift. Yeah, yeah. We'll also be looking at Wes Anderson's new film, the very eagerly anticipated Isle of Dogs, and Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. I certainly am ready for Ready Player One. I haven't seen it yet. You two have, but... Not a word. (laughs) And Film Club, as we say, hook. Yes. All right. (laughs) Do get watching Hook and let us know your thoughts. Email address truthandmovies at tcolondon.com, Twitter, LWLies, and various other outlets. Anything else before people roll along to see you at the Genesis Cinema on Thursday night? Uh, Maybe just another little little nudge for those excited about seeing Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Yeah. there is an issue of a of a magazine, Ooh. Little White Lies, out on the shelves now, available to purchase. It's dog themed, and it's dog themed. It's very. If you love dogs, seek it out. You might like it. Okay, good one. There's also an Isle of Dogs ramen pop up bar. Yeah, and if you're in London uh, for the next two weeks, from this Friday until beginning of April, have you been? No, I'm going tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's going to be props and puppets and sets from the film that you can really? go and have a look at. Yeah, yeah. And a life-size ramen bar serving ramen noodles. Oh, that's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, it sounds quite fun. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Where is that, Hannah? It's at the Strand in London. So sorry if you're not from London. I feel like we're always really London-centric. But but yeah, if, you, if you've if you got nothing Other better to do this Easter. Available. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Hannah and David, for being here. We'll see you again next week, although not, in this case, you specifically. This has been a Seven Digital production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.